future. God wants to renew all that. And then he wants to renew us as well. His redemption is not just saving you. His redemption is renewing and restoring everything. And as we read these verses, I want you to understand that it's, it's the physical world we live in as well as our individual lives that he's restoring. In Samuel, we talked about it. Uh, he said, let's go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom. That means to repair or make new or rebuild. And so the point is that God is always wanting to rebuild in us the things that he intended for man originally. We're not supposed to just be broken. See, when Adam and Eve sinned and they, they lost that, that relationship with God, God wants to restore it. And all these centuries, that's what God's been doing, is trying to reveal and restore us to that relationship. And ultimately, it became possible in Christ when he came and he died on the cross. That's the only way you can ever be restored fully is through the power of the blood of Christ and the resurrection power. Those things work in you, and it begins to renew you and restore you. And then, but God, as he does that in us as individuals and as a group, he also begins to renew and restore the earth because we're not going to be living under a curse, right? I mean, God, God says that uh, he's re redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's redeemed us from the curse. So when, when God makes this relationship with us through the cross, it gives us the ability to see the physical things in our life begin to be restored and renewed as well as the spiritual things. And you're not going to see everything change completely, but, but God begins to pour out his blessing and favor on you. And so when you were, before you were a believer, you would do things and maybe you were successful, but it seemed like you couldn't ever get ahead. I've been there. You make money, and the uh, Bible talks about it, and uh, I think it's Habakkuk. It says that you, you, uh, you earn money only to put it in a bag with holes in it. It's like, you, you know, no matter how hard you work and no matter how much you accomplish, it's like you, you put it there and it's just it's gone. And then you look back and you like, wow, you know, how can I not have any money in the bank? How can I not have these, these situations better in my life? Because I'm working so hard. I'm doing all these things. Everything that everybody tells me to do, I'm doing. And my, the results are awful. Well, that's one of the things God wants to restore and it's to renew it. It's because when you begin to honor God with all the things that you do in your life, then he begins to put his favor on those things, and things that worked badly in the past begin to work correctly in the, in the present because of God's favor. So he's not going to renew the entire earth until he renews the entire earth, but he can renew our little part of it, the little part that we live in. You understand what I'm saying? Your daily life, your job, your finances, your health, your relationships, the things that you do, God can begin to renew and restore those so that they are prosperous, they're, they're blessed, and they're in his favor. And that's, that ought to get you excited because we have hope that things are going to get better. It's not going to be horrible. It's not going to be doom and gloom forever. It's going to get better. The more we allow him to renew and restore us, the more he can renew and restore the earth around us and our sphere of influence. So God wants us to 
to allow him to renew the kingdom in us every day. And that, I think it just means that we're renewing our commitment to him. We're renewing the covenant. We're just saying yes to him every day. Yesterday is gone. Can't do anything about it. Maybe it was great. Maybe it wasn't so great. Doesn't matter now. It's gone. But today, I'm choosing to renew my relationship with you, Lord, today. What do you want to do in my life today? What do you want to say to me today? What can, what can I do for you today? What do you have for me today? Renew that on a daily basis, and that will be significant in your life. If that's your heart and your attitude, God will begin to speak to you. God will begin to give you opportunities. Um, I mean, it's amazing what God can do when you just make yourself available. And then uh, here's another verse in Psalms 104. It says, you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. And that means to turn or to renew, or turn back, to turn back the earth. Turn it back a little bit. You know, the part that we're, that we're in, the part that we occupy. Maybe it's just one little small area. Maybe it's just Weatherford, Texas. Maybe it's just your home, your lot. But wherever it is, God can begin to renew and restore that. Turn it back so that it's prosperous. And it's, man, think about the garden. Adam and Eve, you know, they, they had all this beautiful garden. All they had to do was tend it. And I don't know what that means, but I don't think they really worked. It was only after they, they sinned and God cast them out that he said, you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow. You're going to have to labor and toil. So... God wants to renew all that, though. He wants to turn it back, turn the earth back like it was when he created it, where it begins to function and flow and operate the way that it was and prosper. Uh, Wanda's got these great videos that, that are, are live, live examples in the real world where people, nations, have turned their hearts to the Lord and nations that were doom and gloom and nothing would grow and they were dirt poor and had nothing, they began to flourish. And that happens because people are honoring God. And when you honor God and you give him a chance to do what he wants to do in your life, he can take your brokenness and he can make it into something that's prosperous and healthy and whole. And we've all seen that in various parts of our lives. <clears throat> Lamentations 5 says, Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. Renew our days as of old. And that means to make new or rebuild our lives our past and our future, just like it was before when Adam and Eve had not sinned. That's what God wants to do. He wants to renew and restore us. Turn us back. And we've been talking about that. When you allow God to restore your soul, that's what he's doing. He's turning your soul back more like it was created originally so that your soul can communicate better with the Lord. Your soul is healthy and whole that you can think and respond to life situations the way that you're supposed to. If your soul is broken and wounded, then you go around, you know, snapping and snarling and biting. You ever try to rescue a dog that's been run over by a car? I mean, you, you better be wearing some leather gloves because they, they will bite you. And it's because they're hurt. Well, there's a saying, hurt people hurt people. And that's the way it is. If you have wounds in your soul, I mean, you are bitter and you're frustrated and you're angry and you're impatient and you're snapping and snarling and biting and people around you are... They're, they don't know if they're going get, to get the good you or the bad you. But when God begins to restore your soul and you begin to get healed of those wounds, it can, it can allow you to be changed for the good so that you're not snapping and snarling and biting all the time. In Joel 2, it talks about 
restoring the years that the canker worm, the locusts, have eaten. Restoring the years. He didn't say restoring the stuff. He said restoring the years. And God wants to restore your life before you were a believer. It may have been filled with disappointment and sorrow. It may have been filled with success and, and happiness. But you didn't have peace. If you weren't a Christian, you were, you were not able to live in peace. And if you were successful, you probably couldn't really enjoy the success because you were always worrying about your next possible failure. And so whether you were successful or you were, you were not successful, basically you were miserable for one reason or another. But when you come into a relationship with Jesus, then he begins to, he begins to change all that, give you the opportunity to live in prosperity in your heart because if your heart is prospering, if your heart is, is right, then all your circumstances of life will line up and it won't really make that much difference. Because you can be happy and you can be joyful and you can be excited and at peace, even among the coronavirus, even among uh, desperate needs financially. If your heart is right, you can make it through and you can smile and you can rejoice and you can praise the Lord. Because God is still good and he's still on the throne. And so our heart is more important than all the circumstances of life. And so that's why God wants to restore and renew us so that we're changed on the inside. Then we begin to respond differently to all of life's situations. So that's kind of a review of what we talked about last week. And Joel, too, says that uh, he's going to restore the years. And there's another translation that I want to read to you. I looked at all the different words, and there's, you know, in the original language, just like in our language, there are shades of meaning. And if you, you say a word, it may mean several different things, you know? Like, no way. I mean, that could mean there is no way, or it could mean I don't believe you. So there's all kinds of various meanings in words. And the original language that the Bible was written in, if you, you look at the different meanings of the words, sometimes uh, it gives you some ideas about maybe that God wants to say something a little different to you from time to time. I've used that verse a lot, that he will restore the years that the canker worm the locusts have eaten. But listen to it this way. I will bring you into a covenant of peace to be repeated again and again. The locusts have consumed and devouring young locusts and ravaging caterpillars and devouring locusts. But I'm going to take all that away. I'm going to send all that away from you. That's what God wants to do. He wants to restore all that stuff. The, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's a, I mean, that, that's a pretty good description of it. You know, the, the devouring locusts the devouring caterpillars, uh, man, they, when you get invaded by, by grasshoppers or caterpillars, they are very destructive. And in that part of the world, especially, they would come in, it would darken the sky, there'd be so many flying in, and, and it would literally be like it, it would be a, a dust storm or something. And when they come in, <laughs> they would eat everything in sight, and, and they'd just be bare ground when they were through but God can restore the stuff, but he really wants to restore your loss. The loss in your heart 
is what God really wants to restore. The, the things are not as important as your heart. That's why everything in our relationship with the Lord is about our heart. And if you want to talk about obeying, I mean, it's not really about what you do or don't do. It's about your heart. Because you can obey with your heart uh, without doing anything physically. Or you can obey physically and your heart's not right and you're still not really obeying. And so it's all about our hearts. And God wants to restore our hearts. He wants us to, to think and respond the way that he has created us to. And God created us with this wonderful mind and body. And our minds, are, they're wired. It's like, it's like we have a computer, but it's, it's more like artificial intelligence type computer because it's able to, to do things above and beyond just the basic stuff. Our, our minds are so incredible. We don't even understand all that goes on in them. But your brain, your brain is remarkable. It, it can store bajillions of, of uh, thoughts and ideas. And sometimes you can't remember stuff, but it's still there. And every now and then, I'll have one of those deals where I'm trying to think of someone's name or something and I can't remember. You're, you're, just, you're just bad, brother. You're breech-born, I'll tell you. <coughs> So the, uh, you can't remember something, and, and it's frustrating, you know, and you're thinking, and then you finally just give it up and go on your way, and then all of a sudden it just comes to you. I know you've had that happen. So your brain, it, it's really amazing. You get all this information coming to your brain. It's like random information, bits and pieces of information. And it, you know, all day long, every day, your mind is just having all this information come. And then you go home, and you go to bed and you sleep, and guess what your brain does? All night long, your brain is sorting all that information and categorizing it and putting it in the, in the proper places. So then the next day when you get up, you start fresh. When your brain is working all the time, when you're, when you're focused in thinking or even when you're unconscious, when you're asleep, your brain is still constantly, that's where dreams come from. Your brain is working. So our brains are phenomenal creations of God. And he wants, to, he wants us to control the way that our thoughts and our brains operate. That's what we're talking about, renewing our minds so that we can begin to think the right way. And because as you think in your heart, that's how you're going to be. That's what the Bible says. And your, your thoughts actually change your brain. And your brain is a physical thing. Your thoughts are, they are not physical, but they do take up space in your brain. Kind of crazy, but your brain grows all these little things called dendrites, and they, they look like trees. And if you, if you think good thoughts, positive thoughts, those, those things look like flourishing trees with leaves. But if you're thinking bad thoughts or negative thoughts, you have bad habits, guess what? They look like dead trees, no leaves, just, you know. And so as we learn to renew our mind, we learn to change the way that we think, we strengthen the good thoughts, and we take away power and strength from the bad thoughts, and you know what they do? They wither up, they shrink up, and they just don't have any control anymore. We change our memories, and we make new memories. We kill the old memories, and we create new memories. 
And as we do that, then we start responding differently in life. Every situation that you've responded to in a bad way, if you can change the way you think about that, renew your mind, then you'll begin to respond differently. So when someone comes to you and kicks you in the shin, instead of you kicking them back, you can say, bless you, brother. Uh, you know. <laughs> kind, of a, kind of an odd example, but, uh, but that's the truth. If your heart is right and you've changed the way that you think, where you're not just always sitting on edge ready to slug someone when they do something to you, that's the way most uh, young people are, you know, especially young men. They're just little, little bulls always wanting to butt heads and, and uh, everything that, that someone says or does, you know, it's like, why? You know, they're ready to, ready to go into action. And some of us never grow out of that. So we're old and we're still always ready to go into action. We need to put our, put our brakes on and uh, put it in neutral instead of going into action. They'll just chill out. But as you change the way that you think, you will change the way that you respond. If you think, that's how you'll respond. So if you're thinking, if you're thinking negative bad thoughts, that's probably what's going to be coming out of your mouth. That's what you're going to be doing. That's the way you're going to be reacting. If you're thinking God's word and you're meditating on that, then that's the way you're going to respond to things. In Colossians 1, we read this last week. It said, it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him were the things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. So God wants to reconcile and renew and restore everything, not just our minds, not just our hearts, but it's everything, everything in the earth. And he wants us to be part of that because it is through the body of Christ that all that happens. When God called Abraham, he said, I'm going to make you a blessing, and I'm going to bless everyone that blesses you, and I'm going to curse everyone that curses you, and through you, the whole earth is going to be blessed. And we're part of that. We are part of that blessing opportunity. And so as we go, that's how the world grows. And I'm telling you, the current situation in our country right now is primarily due to the fact that Christians have not taken our rightful places. We've not prayed. We've not, uh, we've not spoken the truth in love. We've not uh, proclaimed the truth of God's word. We've allowed politicians and, and communities to change laws and the cultural mores. And it, I mean, we have allowed all that. That's us. That's on us. God works through us. And I don't want you to get the big head, but I want you to understand that God has always worked through people. That's just the way he chooses to do it. And Jesus came and made a new and living way for us to have this relationship with the Father. And through that, he has empowered us to do things for him in his kingdom. And it's to change the world. And we're not supposed to just be blessed and prospered ourselves. That's part of it. But we're supposed to be part of that blessing the entire earth and that happens through us as we begin to walk with the Lord and let him let him do in our lives what he wants to do then that begins to spill over into other people around us and our whole our whole area that we occupy in this life maybe if you're just a stay-at-home person 
Maybe your area is not very big, but if you're out among people all the time, then you're, you're touching and affecting more and more people. Your area is bigger. And God wants to enlarge our areas. It's one of the things that, you know, the, the prayer of Jabez, went, you know, everybody went crazy about that because it was such a cool concept that God would enlarge your boundaries and enlarge your borders. That's what that's all about is when you become faithful in little things, God begins to bless you and cause you to prosper. Then he can enlarge the area that you influence and affect. And that's, that's what we want because God wants us to reach the entire planet with his goodness and his glory. But God wants to reconcile completely or restore, turn it back, everything, back to the former state of harmony. So you, you think about that, the garden, you know, what a, what a perfect state of harmony. I mean, there was nothing wrong. There was no sin. There was no failure. There was no, there was no fear. There was no anxiety, no concerns. It was just total harmony. And all, all man had to do was just live. God wants to, he wants to restore that type of an attitude, that type of a life to us. It's not going to be like that exactly, not in this life, but you can have a little bit of it. You know, God, God wants us to have joy and peace and love now, not just in heaven where, we're, <clears throat> where we got it forever. Why can't we have it now? He is going to make all things new, but he's making all things new now too. How about we get on board with that and begin to say, yes, I want to be, I want to be renewed right now. I don't want to just wait till I get to heaven. God wants us to be walking in the fullness of the Spirit and in his favor and blessing right now. <clears throat> so God wants to renew all of us and all of creation so that we're turned back like he intended for us to be. And our time on this earth the correlation between us and the earth and all the other people, it should only be blessing. I mean, we should be blessed. God's people should be blessed and we should be a blessing. And that doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect in your life. But generally speaking, you ought to feel like you're walking in God's favor and blessing. And if you don't feel that way, then either you need to change your attitude about what you believe God's favor and blessing is, or you need to make some other changes so that you can begin to walk in that. Because that is what God's Word teaches us. That's what God's Word has always said, is that He wants to bless His people. He wants to take care of His people. And we have struggles. But God has the answer. We have situations. But God has the answer. When we have battles, God has the answer. The battles are His. That's His answer. He's already won the victory. When we have situations, God said, I've got a situation for you. I sent my son, my only son, and he gave everything for you, and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. How's that for your situation? God has an answer to all of our problems. We just need to understand that it's there, it's available, and we need to learn how to walk it out. Now, it's easy to say. It's not so easy to do. But that's why we're talking about it. So all of us, are wounded in some way. We've all had, we've had, we've got flaws, we've had problems, we're broken, we've had issues in our past. You've all been rejected or hurt in some way, or offended. And all of those things in our lives create wounds. Or 
You know, now it's kind of popular to say, oh, that's going to leave a mark. Well, you know, when you, when you have situations in your life that hurt you or cause pain, it leaves a mark on you. Not one that you can see physically, but spiritually speaking, you've, you've got some marks. You ever hear about a, a scratch and dent sale, you know, where you can go and buy appliances or something that are marked down? I think the devil must know about every scratch and dent sale that goes on. And I think he's a real frequent shopper because he's buying up everything he can get his hands on that's scratched and dented. And so in our lives, we've all got scratches and dents and marks and wounds. He's buying all that up so he can control us. That's what he wants to do. If he owns something, he can control it. And, he's, and he is looking out for every opportunity. And so when, we've, when we have a past hurt or a situation that causes us pain, maybe, maybe we, we dealt with it. Maybe we said, Lord, forgive me for that, and, and we're good. But then the devil comes along and starts whispering, telling us things about that incident. And when we start thinking about that incident, and we start believing the lies that the devil is saying, then we were forgiven for the incident, but now we've, we've given him place to control that part of our life because when those thoughts come up, he has the ability to come in and change the way that we think about it. So instead of responding by God's way, we're responding by the devil's way. It's a horrible deal. He, he does it to you, and then he comes back and accuses you. He's working it both ways, and he's good at it. And it's, it's nothing new. It's the same old trick he's always done. I wonder what he, you ever wonder what he said to Adam and Eve after they sinned? You know, it's probably like, yeah, Lord, look at you. You know, you thought you were something. Now look at you. You can't even go to the garden, much less eat from it. That's what the devil does. He, he wants to find ways to control us. And some of us, it's, it's ways that are very open and outward. It doesn't take long to figure out when someone is a bitter person. You talk to someone for just a few minutes, you can usually figure out that they're bitter and they're angry and they're, they're, just, they're just not at peace with themselves. So some people have issues and problems that show up on the outside. You see them real easily. Other people... They've got all kinds of issues, but they don't show it on the outside. You've got you to gotta really get to know people deeper to see some of our problems. And it's, it's unfortunate, but most of us have problems, and we think we've got them hidden and concealed so well that nobody knows that we have problems. But most everybody, when you get to know someone, you begin to figure out some of their problems. And that's why... Unfortunately, a lot of people don't want you to get close to them. They don't want to allow you into their life because they don't want you to know about their problems. They don't want you to, to reject them because of their problems because that's what's happened to them before. That is one of the things that God wants to work in us. He wants to change our hearts, renew our minds so that when we see someone with issues, we don't react and say, <gasps> you know, we just... I receive you, I love you, I care about you, and you know, you got a problem, that's okay. Your problem's not going to bother me, I'm still going to love you, and I'm still going to care about you. Matter of fact, um, 
One of the greatest testimonies that I think I've ever heard was, uh, was the David Wilkerson story about when he, when he went and was dealing with Nicky Cruz. And he said, I love you. And Nicky Cruz pulled out a switchblade. He said, I'm going to cut you into a thousand pieces. And he said, that's fine. Every thousand pieces are going to still love you. That's what caused him to get saved because he was willing to express love without, without any strings, without any conditions, without any, but you need to change. You know, I love you, but you need to change. It was just, he said, I love you, and I'm going to love you. And that's what God says to us. God loves us. And he doesn't love us because we're good. He doesn't love us because we're obedient. He doesn't love us because we're bad. He loves all of us because God is love, and that's who he is. And he wants us to obey, and he wants us to follow him, but his love is not conditional on that. That's, you've got to know that. You've got to know that God loves you. And when you, when you mess up, God still loves you. He never gives up. And neither does the devil. He keeps coming back to you and trying to regain territory that you've, that you've taken away from him. So when you get deliverance, when you get freed from something... It's not a one-time thing, and it's just good forever. You have to change the way you think about that. You have to renew your mind as well, or otherwise he'll come back, and he'll start whispering those same lies to you, and he'll begin to cause you to doubt. And the first thing you know, you'll be wondering, man, am I, am I really forgiven? Or am I really even saved? Am I, am I really filled with the Spirit? Am I really changed? And You need to renew your mind so that you think the way that God wants you to think. So the devil... In Revelation 12, it says, He is the accuser of the brethren. That's all he does. He accuses us day and night before God. He accuses you to yourself. He makes you feel like you're worthless. He makes you feel like you're a failure and a flop. And he wants you to, to be afraid to confess your faults. He wants you to be afraid to, to share with other people. He wants you to be afraid to even go to the Father and ask forgiveness when you've messed up. That's one of his great tricks is to make you think that you are the most low-down, no-good, rotten scoundrel ever. And God, I don't know if God can even forgive that. That's just so awful. You just better not even ask. And sometimes it's, it's something that, it's not that bad, but it's just something that we've done over and over and over again. We've really, you know, we've repented and then we've failed. We repent and then we fail. We repent and we fail. And eventually, you know, the devil's whispering in your ear, you're a loser. You're always going to be a loser. It's never going to get any better. You're never going to change. And, uh, and you think God's going to forgive you this time after you've failed so many times? I mean, you're done. But you have to understand that that's what the devil does. And we have to respond differently. So in uh, 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, uh, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. I mean, Paul was writing to all of his, his churches that he established, and he was saying, I'm checking on you because I want to make sure the tempter hasn't tempted you, the accuser of the brethren. It is possible for us to be tempted and to fail. And then in 2 Corinthians 2, Paul says, Lest Satan take advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. And that word devices, it means purposes, but it also means exercising the mind. So the way you think... It's really important. That's why you have to renew your mind. 
because that's how the devil works. He comes to you and he puts thoughts in your minds. He gives you, he gives you thoughts. He causes circumstances to come up that cause you to think certain ways or react certain ways. He's always testing, picking. You ever go on a trip with some kids in the back seat and they get to, you know, they're poking and picking at each other and you stop touching me, you're touching me, stop it. You know, that's what the devil does. He's just, he's always just picking at you and touching at you and messing with you. And we gotta, you gotta understand that's the way it works. Don't let him gain control over you. Renew your mind, change the way you think, and then when he starts doing that, you can just say, no thanks. But he wants to exercise your mind. That's why if the battle is in your mind. That's why you have to renew your mind. Galatians 5, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And that's really referring to the covenant of promise versus the covenant of law. In the previous chapter, uh, Paul was talking to me. He said, you know, Abraham had Sarah, and then he had Hagar, and Hagar had a son, and that was the flesh. It was like the law. And then Sarah had the promised son, and that's the, the covenant of promise. But, you know, it's also, it really is like our old man and our new man. It's, it's the same kind of a correlation because... The old man is bound in sin. You are, when you are born in this life, physically born, you are born with sin inherently in you, and you sin. And so you're in bondage, because the Bible tells us anyone who sins is bound to that sin. You're in bondage. It's like uh, you, you are not free. You can't be free in your own strength because you're, you have a nature that is sinful. That's why you get born again because you're born a second time and now you're born spiritually and now your nature has changed so you have the ability to follow God, the ability to renew your mind. You are born again. You're not the natural anymore. You're spiritual. You have to be born again. But just because you get free, it doesn't mean you're going to stay free. Because if you, if you allow the enemy to, to lie to you and you believe what he says, you'll fall back into the bondage. That's what happened when the children of Israel got out of Egypt. They escaped. Everything was hunky-dory. And then Pharaoh came after them. And there were always people in the congregation that were murmurers and complainers. Everybody would be saying, Woohoo, man, God's blessed us. We're going to the promised land. It's all good. And there was someone, Man, we're about to starve to death. There's no water. We're going to all die. You know, you sent us out here to die in the desert. We could have stayed in Egypt. There's always someone that's going to be complaining and grumbling and griping. And the devil will remind you of that stuff over and over and over again because that's what he wants. He wants you to doubt everything that God has done in your life and everything that God wants you to do. He wants to convince you that it's not real, that it's not for you, it's not going to work, and we've got to renew our minds. Hebrews 2 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, talking about Jesus, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. 
Well, the devil wants to keep you in bondage. He wants to keep you in fear of death. But Jesus came to set us free. He came to give us life more abundantly. And he wants to let us know that we don't have to be afraid of the devil or what he can do to us. We don't have to be afraid of death anymore because he has changed all that and he's made it all new. He's put it all under his feet and we are learning to walk that out as we walk with him, renewing our minds so that we begin to think differently. We believe what God says instead of what the enemy is saying and we respond differently. In Romans 8 it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of adoption again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider the things or the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans, labors with birth pangs until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the, the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I read all that because it, it made some great points. We didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. We've been set free from all that. But you can go back to it if you want to, just like uh, some of those knuckleheads back there with the children of Israel, you know, they started saying, oh, come on, let's all, let's all get us a new leader. Let's go back to Egypt. At least back there we could, you know, we could eat. We're going to starve to death out here. There's always going to be someone that's trying to take you back into bondage. The devil's going to try to take you back into bondage, and he's going to try to convince you, well, at least you were better off then than you are now. You know, you were happy in your sin. Now you're miserable in your sin. Well, as a believer, you will be miserable in your sin. But that's because God wants to heal you and cleanse you, and he wants you to be in a right relationship with him. <clears throat> but he didn't give us the spirit of adoption. Uh, he gave us the spirit of adoption, not a spirit of fear. And he also says that the whole creation is groaning, groaning to be, to be restored and revealed. It's like we're talking about. So God does that through us. It says that we all we groan together. We're all groaning together, creation and us. God is wanting to work in us, through us, to do what he wants to do in the entire earth. We have 
an opportunity to change this nation. Just this small group of people right here, if we really, if we really got serious, we could begin to see God move in a way that would, it would freak you out. I mean, you wouldn't understand what all was going on because it would just blow your mind. But if, if we as individuals began to really give ourselves fully to the Lord, and then as we come together, we, we have even more power and authority as a body than as individuals. And as we begin to do that, it would flow out of this building into the streets and into other buildings and the community would begin to rise up, and then it would go from our city to Fort Worth, and Fort Worth to Dallas, and to Abilene, and Waco, and even Ada, Oklahoma, or wherever. You know? there's, uh, there's, no, there's no limits to what could happen if a handful of people would really get serious and begin to obey the Lord. So we're all groaning. Sometimes I'm groaning more than other times. Romans 12 says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you renew your mind by taking thoughts captive. You know, you can, you can just open the door and let everything into your mind, everything into your brain, if you want to do that, then you're going to get what you get. If you, if you watch programs on TV that are violent and nasty, that's what's going to be in your mind. If you hang around with people that talk bad and do bad things, that's what's going to be in your mind. You have to, you have to control what goes in and out. That's the whole process of renewing your mind. You can open the floodgates and just say, I'll take whatever. But you're going to get a lot of garbage in there. But if you, if you filter it, put up a filter, don't let everything in, filter what comes in, then you're going, to have, you're going to have a better outlook on life because your mind is going to be cleaner and more whole. God wants to renew our minds. Worship team, y'all can come back. We're, there's... Uh, In Romans 12, 21, it says, Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the simple description of this whole process. The devil's trying to do bad stuff, trying to convince you to do bad stuff, trying to confuse you and distract you, but we have to overcome all that with good. We can overcome evil with good. As followers of Jesus Christ, as believers, there is a power that is evident in our lives. And we can overcome evil. You know, the great revivals of history, um, they, didn't even need, they didn't even need police force or jails anymore because there were no criminals. All the beer joints closed down. I mean, when, when we as believers rise up and take our place as we're supposed to, the body of Christ, then we can change culture. We affect culture. We affect the things that happen. The laws will be different because people will be believers instead of unbelievers. Our politicians would be believers. And we would be the voting population and they would want to pander to us instead of the liberals. Sorry, it's just the way it is. 
They would want our approval. Right now, most of them don't really care that much about our approval. And I would just say to you, I think it's because we haven't been very attractive as a body. When we are loving and kind like we ought to be, people would look at us and they would say, man, those are good people. I want to help them. We need to have our minds renewed so that we can begin to think and talk and act the way that believers are supposed to. So that when we respond to situations in life, there's no question people would look at, at you and say, wow, something different about them. They must be a Christian. Because when someone says something ugly to you or does something rude, you just smile and love them. And we can do that. But it's only going to happen as we renew our minds. So Lord, I pray that uh, the words that we're talking about would become a reality to us. It would not just be some good thoughts but they would become a desire, burning desire in our hearts that we would want our minds renewed, that we'd begin to do everything we can to allow you to renew our minds, that we would do our part as well as allow you to do your part. Your part is the, is the supernatural. Our part is just the natural part of, of being obedient and being uh, disciplined enough to follow through with the things that we ought to do. So help us to do that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's stand and worship.
So <clears throat> next week, I'm going to give you some more instructions about how you actually renew your mind and how that process works. And I want you to be thinking about it because we all have areas in our lives, attitudes, patterns of thinking that are they're contrary to God's plan for us. And I've been working on some things in my own life and I want to ask you, begin to evaluate the way that, that you think and the way you respond and react and come up with what you feel like is the most significant thing that needs to be changed in the way that you think, the way that your attitudes and your heart is. And then when we talk about it next week, I want you to be ready to put a plan into action about dealing with that. And it doesn't require much. I'm going to lay it out for you. It takes about 10 minutes a day to just do a little bit of focused thinking. And if you'll do that consistently, I think you'll be amazed at what God will do in your heart and mind. So Lord, Reveal to us. Shine your light, Lord. Shine that light of your glory into each one of us and show us those areas where, where maybe our, our mind is just, it is contrary to your plan and purpose. Our mind is filled with wrong attitudes or lies of the enemy. Shine that light, Lord, and expose those things so that we can deal with them. We're asking you to reveal those things to us so that we can deal with them. All this week, Lord, began to talk to us. Every time that we're in our prayer time and we get quiet before you, reveal stuff. In Jesus' name.
that's a beautiful prayer to end this. Everything that we have, Lord, here we are. We give it all to you. Every heartbeat, every part of our life, every, every mess up, every success, every victory, every failure, we give it all to you, Lord. And you want it all. Take it all, Lord, and make it and mold it into something new. I thank you that that is the promise, Lord, that you never give up on us, you never reject us. You're always calling us and say, come, come to me. So Lord, seal these words in our heart. Those that have special needs, Lord, I pray that you, you touch, heal, and deliver. Renew our minds. Help us to embrace this process, Lord, of becoming new in every way. That's your desire. That's your plan. And we say yes. We want to get on board with that and agree with you. Let you have your way in our lives, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you need special prayer, someone will meet you here at the altar and pray with you. If you don't know the Lord, uh, this is an opportunity to invite him to be your Lord and Savior. It's a simple prayer. Just acknowledge that you're a sinner. Invite him to come and live in your heart, forgive your sin, and be your Lord. If you pray that prayer with your, with your heart, then God says that you are born again and he's written your name in the book of life. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Go and be blessed. Have a great day. And uh, see you Wednesday night.